Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan. I'm with my co-host, Sean Bowles. Sean, what is going to happen on the show today? Well, today on the show, what can happen when God raises up people who occupy careers in places like Meta to do infrastructure engineering or to work in other areas of tech? Find out when we interview your son, Bob, David Hassan. David grew up in San Diego with you and went to UCLA where he majored in psychobiology. I'm I'm assuming he also paid for that. He now works in tech sector and is seeing his faith make a big difference in his life. And coming up next is David Hassan. I love the prophetic and I love the office of a prophet. And I believe God's reestablishing it in our generation. And I believe that there's some guardrails that we could put up so that this could be a healthy reestablishment. And I wrote a book called Modern Prophets to help you in your business, your church, your ministry, your political office, to incorporate prophetic voices, to actually activate the office of the prophet within your organization. Or maybe you are a prophet or you're a prophetic voice and you know you need to understand how to be activated. And God wants to do this in very clear ways so that it's easy to understand and easy to have those guardrails those boundaries after decades of moving in the prophetic. I wrote this as an instructional manual to help you, but it'll help you to activate people in your community and in your midst. Even if you're the prophet, it's going to help you to activate the atmosphere around you to receive that gift and understand your gifting. So this book comes with a masterclass where you can actually have assignments and understanding to take you deeper. And I love how we film this. It's going to be so informational, but also impartational. Get the book, get the masterclass free now. Well, welcome back. We're here with David Hassan, Sean. Well, you must be proud to be here with David Hassan. David, we're so glad you're on today. Having yeah. Bob's son, this is awesome. Like we, we've talked behind the scenes before, but to have your story on here is like, this is going to make your daddy proud. This is good. <laughs> yeah, glad to be here. Well, we want to talk really about how you got into your career because, you know, to do what you're doing, it's a rare career in a lot of ways. And I'm going to talk about why you chose this and where God was at in your story in it. So kind of walk us through career path journey. Sure. Well, I I was always into technology. Definitely started like before middle school. Wow. I remember that my mom had this like Tandy computer when I was like six. (laughs) Yeah. And it was too complicated for her. (laughs) You look 25, but we know by the Tandy that you're older than that. Yeah. And so I, I, I was like just begging to be able to use it. And I think it was, she didn't love it. So I ended up inheriting it as a Christmas gift, I think. And it was just the best ever. I think I was wow. six. And yeah. so ever since then, just kind of really interested in that whole world. And mostly like, how does it work? You know, I used to take things apart when I was little to the the fury of my, my parents and um, didn't know how to put it back together, obviously. I've heard and some of those so, stories from the past, so I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think it, it got a little more serious when I had access to, you know, more equipment. So I think in seventh grade, for the science fair, I decided to do something hard and was it was like light transmission. I was soldering and spending oh, all wow. this time at the local electronics shop. <laughs> and then in uh, in eighth grade, I started to kind of work on the school's computer network. Like authorized or unauthorized? Yeah, authorized. Yeah, I don't know how it came about, 
but I was kind of moonlighting, you know, outside of school. As eighth graders do, of course. Yeah, and then it got so bad, I was was working on the computer or during school. Like, I, they would, like, take me out of class. You know, it was probably good for my development technologically, but, you know, looking back, maybe a bit inappropriate uh, for kids <laughs> to be worrying about that. I, so, so you were I, in class and they literally took you out of class to work they did yeah oh i need david because we have to you know fix this mail server oh my gosh it wow. was pretty funny because we didn't find out as parents uh, until david at one point told us that he was working on the server and there was a there was a teacher who who was their i guess their it person who couldn't figure it out but david could and so he was uh we should have uh, we should have tried to get you paid twenty five dollars an hour or off of tuition, shouldn't we? I mean, at least it should have given you a good you know like thing to put on your college uh, application here. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if I did put it on my college application. <laughs> you should have. You set up the school servers. That's amazing. So this is pretty incredible. So you have uh, you know from the time you're young, you know you're wired for this. You're wired for technology. Yeah. Like when you were trying to choose a career path for that, like how did your faith come into play, or did it in a in a real visible way or was that later yeah i think that was later you know there's this um there's this bethel song about wonder that just really gets me um and i i think that the the piece that's clearly plumbed into my mind is that sense of wonder and like being interested in new and challenging things and so i think that's what really drove a lot of my decision making in high school and in college, uh, which is a really nice way of saying, like, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> uh, it was just kind of like, just, yeah, I just really wanted to, you know, do something fascinating and impactful. And that took me a lot of different places. In college, it was really a, a trying time. You know, I was, I was searching a lot. And I, I started out with chemistry, and then I was going to do English and then math. And I ended up on settling on whatever it was that would get me through college, you know, which, you know, so this moment of humility, I, I didn't do that great in school, but I needed to stay interested. So I settled on psychobiology, which psychology of the mind, really useful in business, but I got a little bored. So you add on the biology part, you know, take some hard classes. And then I ended up just snapping right back into technology because that's where my heart was. That's what I was good at. I worked at a neuroimaging laboratory as an intern at the end of school. I was initially a programmer working on their actual research. And then I ended up switching over to their IT department because I just, you know, I I knew I could help there. And so that's kind of how I ended up back into tech. But that whole time, I think I was just seeking something that would be, you know, kind of really satisfying from that wonder perspective, which I do think is from the Lord. Well, you've been working in, you know, now you've been working in big tech. And I have some questions about that, too, because well, just where the, where big tech has come under so much fire, too. We'll talk about that later. But talk about, like, that transition into, you know, a bigger tech company like Meta from a neuroimaging company. That's very, that's a big gap between those. Yeah, when I joined... Facebook, I was working in technical sales at a a large IT vendor now called Dell Technologies. So I was kind of in sales and I wasn't super technical there. Or another way of putting it, I was the most technical amongst all my peers there. (laughs) And yeah, switching to Facebook was very, very different. 
a couple of things. You know, the culture is different. It's very progressive. And I, I mean that in mostly a good way. It's very fast moving. You know, some of the best engineers in the world, or at least the, the best engineers in the world, many of them are, are at Meta. Wow. And the way that we think about things is just different. You know, what if how hard something was, wasn't really a factor in whether you decided to do it. And that's kind of what you get there. And so we would, you know, we do things that are, are very technically challenging and we'll do them quickly. And if they don't work, we'll throw them away and do something else. And that was, was pretty different. I also had to learn the tech again because I hadn't mm -hmm. been doing that for a while. Well, you, you talk about wonder and another word is curiosity. And I, and I think mm -hmm. one of the interesting things is, is you have switched companies throughout careers, this your technological mind has always, always functioned. And mm -hmm. now you're managing people. And I think that's one of your strongest suits besides your technology. Talk to us about how you, how you manage people at Meta and what that's like in a progressive environment. Yeah. So let me talk a little bit about why management and this connects better with, I think, my God-given purpose as well. So, you know, when I started out at Facebook, I also had recently moved to San Francisco. We became pretty involved in our, our church here, which is Reality San Francisco. And my wife and I started to get involved in ministry. You know, we were doing small groups, and eventually that led to being a small group coach, so like helping with multiple small groups. And while it was hard, I actually remember my wife being a little nervous, like, do you think you can handle the stress of Facebook and lead, you know, a small group? And I kind of defiantly was like, yeah, of course I can. <laughs> uh, you know, which I, yeah, I don't know if that was true, but uh, I ended up really like cultivating this, you know, ability to coach or pastor or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. And it was, it was hard, but quite good. And the community that we built back then, this was, you know, I don't know, seven years ago, that community is still thriving now. Wow. That's and amazing. so I think I realized at a certain point that at Meta, while I do have technical skills and I love that side of things, at a place like Meta, you know, my overall potential might be greater on the people management side than the tech. Because like wow. I said, the engineers are amazing. You know, they're they're better than me. You know, they can think quicker, they can they can produce more. And I noticed with the small group stuff at church that I really do feel fulfilled when I can see kind of people put forward. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's when I kind of made that decision to switch into management. Well, talk about the God given purpose part. Cause you you use that term. Yeah. How did you figure that part out? Like talk about just your God journey in the midst of your career. Cause your career's so much a part of your God journey. So I think it'd just be interesting to dig into that. Well, I've always felt that he, that the Lord has given me pretty much everything. Obviously, that's an understatement theologically, but you know, most of my major breakthroughs have been, you know, kind of unexplainable. For example, even getting to Facebook, uh, you know, I was recruited. Like somebody called me. Why did they do that? I even failed my first interview loop and they found somebody else that could see my value and I passed that one. And so a lot of my story has been like that in college almost failed out, you know, 
there was this amazing like head of counseling that found my, I guess I call it packet now, but they found my transcript and called me in and said, what's going on? You know, what, what, what do you need to get through this? How can we help? Mm. And so that's, that's always been my story, always been my story. So I think I typically just have always leaned on what's going well. Like, where do I think the Lord is providing opportunities? And, you know, like I said before, being able to see people thrive and realizing that I am a good cultivator of relationships and I do very much value people, that seemed to be the good decision to make as far as going into management. Wow. I love that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about just being in a big tech company because I think there's we've interviewed other people in big tech and one of the right. challenges sometimes is how sometimes the, the family values or nuclear family or or some of the values that a lot of Christians really uphold aren't always expressed there or they're not the number one. So, you know, so sometimes people feel marginalized or have you had that experience or how has it been working for Facebook who's who's coming to fire for freedom of speech issues, who's you know, right now currently is about to go through a congressional, you know, trial like Twitter just did. What's it like working in that? Is that does that affect your day to day at all? Does do Facebook employees think about that or is that more just upper level leadership? And what does that feel like living in San Francisco as a believer with your beautiful family? Because I think they're absolutely amazing. What does that what does that feel like there in the sense of just the maybe some of the value gap? Yeah, it's it's a it's a deep question. I, I you know, I want to be I want to be as forward as I can with you all your audience you know I am I'm I'm pretty liberal at this point you know I like to joke that you know I got radicalized in San Francisco (laughs) (laughs) you know I I didn't I didn't lose all my you know all my values and but I think I do have a little bit more patience for you know what some people call like the the wokeness I, I think I understand where that's coming from a bit, even if I might roll my eyes at, uh, you know, when it gets petty. So when I started at Facebook, yeah, that was something that I ran into. And I eventually, you know, I started out by kind of, I I found the Christian community there and for a while was involved in that. I'm not now, you know, sometimes that can be hard to maintain, you know, a workplace ministry. But you know, at the time, yeah, there was, there is, there is a conflict. And to be honest with you all, I, I think one of my roles was to try to help people that were coming from very conservative backgrounds, having trouble getting their job done because they felt that they weren't appreciated at mm. a liberal tech company, almost yeah. like the mediator, like, uh, you yeah. know, again, a joke, but like, maybe I'm already radicalized, but I still love the Lord. <laughs> And yeah. I, I still know what I stand for and, you know, what his love is. And maybe I can help folks, you know, hey, you know, some of the stuff that you're worried about, maybe it's not as important as you think. You know, there are good people here and we have to accept where they're at before we can kind of move into ministry. So your wife and you've lived in San Francisco, you're raising a family there. Tell us about just the family dynamic. I love reality church brand. I think there's so many good realities. We have them here in LA. They're so awesome. Tell us about just living in one of the hotspot cities where culture happens and just raising a family there and and what keeps you motivated? What keep, I know San Francisco in particular obviously has its challenges. It's like I live in LA and Bob lives in San Diego. We have our challenges. We don't live in the small podunk towns that are easy. We live in places that are, you know, 
have a lot of culture in them and have a lot of expression that maybe don't hit other places. And San Francisco is obviously come under fire in the state of California as well for things like homeless population and things like, and that may not be around you just like it's not around me here in LA, but um, there is so much that like we want to do outreach. We want to love, but also raising your kids in that environment can be a challenge at times. So talk about just your family. Talk about being a family man. Yeah. So the biggest issue with San Francisco, in my opinion, is that it is a bit transient. It's it's not that we're too liberal or that we have too many homeless folks. Um, those things, they are issues. And I did live in the Tenderloin for many years. And wow. my wife worked down there with the homeless population for a while. So we kind of understand at least a part of what that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think some of it's politics. Some of it has to do with San Francisco's history of um, permitting lesser crimes uh, and to to kind of focus on other issues. And honestly, I'm not even sure if we're doing a good job in in government. I I don't I don't know. But I do know that the real issues with the homeless population are, you know, they're they're what you think they are. They're they're the kind of root brokenness. You know, there's mental issues. There's abandonment. A lot of people don't have the family structure that they should. And, and everybody moves from the entire nation to be in San Francisco if they're homeless because yeah, we have all year long. It's I, I've talked to our homeless population down here. We did you know years of just hanging out with them, feeding and doing all kinds of stuff, and just but trying to be humanize the whole issue. And not to stay on the issue of homelessness, but what I found is that nobody was from here. They were from Iowa. They were from you know yeah. Manchester. You know New York. They were from everywhere else but here and so it's just really interesting we inherit the problem because we have resources yeah. for it or at least some resources so I, I i understand what you're saying because there's not like you don't see homeless people go up and stab someone that's not the crime that is committed in the homeless community there we lived around it with our family too and it wasn't unsafe in that context but there's sometimes yeah. an image that can be but yeah so your family you know you have yeah. your kids and your wife yeah, so what I was saying is the, the, the trick the tricky thing here is it can be quite transient. You know, you have young professionals moving into San Francisco to kind of begin their career. Some of them are the best and the brightest. They're in banking, they're in tech, they're in biotech, etc. And very often when they get to family age, they move. Uh, because, you know, yeah, there's homeless folks. There's it's too liberal. It's the taxes are too high. The houses are too expensive, and so one of Dave Lomas, our pastor at Reality SF, one of his things that he struck into us right away, and he's very stubborn about this, is please stay, please stay, wow. make make a, make a home here, make a family here, because that's our number one issue. And he talks about the history of the city. You know, we have some dark pasts. We have there, there's a book about it that kind of explains some of the parts that were, you know, that cause who we are. And so, I, you know, my wife and I kind of, we listened to him and, you know, we thought about it too. You know, I think my wife would have loved to be in a suburb for a little bit and we tried it. It, you know, it, it didn't work that well. We came right back to San Francisco, but we, you know, my wife and I, we, we kind of labored over the decision to be in a city with all of the challenges that you spoke of. And so far, I think it's been good. I'm really proud. Both of my kids have been born in San Francisco. Even if we move away, you know, they'll still be able to say that they're from San Francisco. They were born, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so I'm really proud of that. I, I honestly don't know what our city's about. You know, it's a long conversation. I don't really know what makes San Francisco, San Francisco, but I know that I 
built a great community here and I love my wow. friends. My, you know, our church really gave us a lot. And, you know, I do love culture and, and everything that that brings. Wow. Well, David, in the last in the last few minutes, talk to our audience, young people who are thinking about going into tech and, you know, what 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 advice you would have for them? Yeah, well, a lot of times folks kind of are already on the path to tech. You know, I took a I took a unorthodox pathway into big tech, you know, while it might make sense to you dad, because <laughs> you saw my mind the whole time. Uh, a lot of the people I work with, you know, they were on a very strict path through college. So I guess there's like two groups of people out there. You know, one to the folks that are headed right into tech, you know, I would say, hey, you know, there's a lot of good stuff that we're doing in tech. It is hard to be at a place that is under such scrutiny. But the engineers and the other employees at a place like Meta and other companies, you know, they're really good people. And I would say, you know, if you have the opportunity to do something like that, I would take it. You know, this is where a lot of the movement is happening in our society. And what I've always said is, is especially if you're a Christian, you can either be part of it or you cannot. And so if God's given you the skills to, you know, to contribute you know, I would seriously consider it. I've really been happy with my career at Meta. I think they've treated us very well. I think that they've also been quite accommodating to folks with different views. And the other group is folks that aren't quite in tech and feel like it's hard to get over there. And I've worked with some folks that have taken non-traditional paths into tech, and it's been great. You know, it's really good to see the different viewpoints and the different ways that people think you know, I consider myself one of those folks. You know, I was in the neurology department at the university. That's where I came from. And so, you know, while I always loved tech, you know, I, I wasn't like classically trained like my peers. And I'm so glad that I was able to make it over to where I'm at. So awesome, David. I'm so glad that you're with us today and that you got to share it. And I know your dad, whenever he talks about you, it's always with a glimmer in his eye that only a father who loves and is proud of his son has. So I'm so glad that we got to see why. And I could just hear it in you, just who you are as a man. It's just so awesome. So thanks for being with us today. And yeah, we love to you. keep tabs on your career as you go through the years, <laughs> which is so awesome. But uh, up next, we do have final thoughts with Sean and Bob. And thank you again, David. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm going to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month. Plus, our back catalog is available to you as well on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with Him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to BowlesMinistries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Welcome back. Well, Bob, we just had your son on, your oldest of the two boys and your four children. And I, I just loved hearing from him. I could hear you and him. I could hear that critical thinker, that person who's thinking through his life in a very real way. And I just, I really enjoyed his story and, and seeing Bob 2.0. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a very, very thoughtful young man, both on the technical side and the people side, much more on the people side. I think he... Obviously, he's technically brilliant, or he wouldn't have been at Meta for all these years. But yeah. but he is he's so pastoral, and he cares for his team so much that it's just been 
a, a beautiful thing to watch him in, in his career navigate Christian values in a, in a really progressive environment. And he hit that a little bit, didn't he? He did. It was interesting because I think of you and I and Kyler, your other son, had dinner not too long ago. And we were talking about AI and all kinds of technology because he's super interested in technology as well, even though he's not working in that kind of tech field necessarily. But we sat there and even what we were talking about is already outdated, like because there's so much new stuff that's happened. But I thought of David and I thought of even Kyler's curiosity and how this generation is wired differently to understand technology of what's coming up because we have the AI revolution that started now. It's it's just as big as the industrial revolution, but it's it hasn't fully happened to us yet, but it's happening um, we have so much happening in the tech world. It's going to redefine the medical space, environment, engineering, all these different spaces. And I think God wants Christians on the forefront. God wants to build Christians in places of community. And it was really hard for us during the pandemic because we watched 50% of our community move from LA because LA is a hard city to live in. San Francisco is a really hard city to live in. What would you say, Bob, to somebody who knows they're called to kind of one of these bigger spheres or spaces about maybe even a parent, like, and their kid wants to move into LA to pursue entertainment or tech or whatever, or moving to San Francisco. I know this must be challenging at times, or maybe earlier in the season of his life to have that happen. Like talk to parents. Well, it was interesting because ever since he was a child, that Tandy computer he talked about, he was six years old. That's crazy. When he got a little bit older and he would read MS-DOS manuals. Now, I still don't know what an MS-DOS manual is, but they were they were really yeah. thick, and that's what he was reading. C and colon forward slash. You, I know all this. Yes. <laughs> so he and so he always had that in him when he went to college and decided to major in psychobiology. It was interesting to me, but his technical background was so strong that he. I think he just wanted to move away from that for a little while, even though he ended up coming back. And so for me, all four of my children live in big cities. And they all are pursuing careers that that suit them. And, mm-hmm. and that's what really makes me happy is seeing people, especially my children, thriving in, in areas where God's called them. People have always said, well, isn't anybody to take over your business, my business? And I, I never would want them to do that because that's not what their call is. Their call is in these different areas. And so it's very, very satisfying for Lauren and I to see David and his wife and two kids thriving and our other children thriving and where they where they are. I love that. And I think there's a lot of parents who live out of a place of as much fear as they have faith for their kids. And I think that's very normal to be nervous or anxious for your children and like what they're going to decide. But at some point you got to release control. I've watched you do that really well to just say, I trust you to your kids. I've watched that trust. I've watched you guys process hard decisions with them and good decisions with them. And I just, I love that you guys don't come with a heavy hand or control. And I'm just hoping that other parents can hear that and even see that in the conversation we had that David's not an exact reflection of you, but he's a reflection of your heart. And I think that's, that's important. And that's what we should strive for. So I think it's good. Thanks for having him today. Thanks for inviting him. Yeah. Well, thanks for being such a good interviewer. I was, it was interesting for me to watch and listen to him. And, and let you lead the interview. Yeah, you definitely took a big backseat, but I think that's appropriate for when you're talking uh-huh. on this level. Well, thank you guys for being a part of Explain the Marketplace. And I want to encourage you to find out more of our episodes and subscribe to our podcast or visit us at cbnnews.com and get episodes on demand. And my Sean Bowles YouTube is also very active with episodes of Exploring the Marketplace, but also clips and current news and world events in our faith. Bob also has an Instagram that I encourage you to follow, but we'll see you next time. 
Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you on our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan or visit BowlesMinistries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.